I won't put any of this in. I'm just curious. No, you can if you want to. It's um, it's pub- public knowledge, like <laughs> like it's headline news. Um, I well, I was. It just got a little bit too difficult for me to nurture myself and raise my family in a way that I wanted to, whilst also trying to nurture a community and make a successful business. I think that was really the crux of it. In a past life, on Fridays at 7.30, I would obsessively go to a spin class. Ariana was the instructor. And from her raised podium, she managed a collection of riders in front of her. Some struggling, some absolutely flying, and some wearing a hat she handed down to her front row riders. A hat that still sits on my desk. We talk about what she's up to now and the view she had from that podium with some crucial lessons in leadership. This is People Create. So now I've gone back to freelancing. Yeah. Um, so I was freelancing as an, as an event producer before I started my business. Um, but given the nature of my business, I've also now added freelancing as a community builder for a lot of startup brands, which I've really enjoyed. Um, and I'm also still being an activist of sorts for women's health and well-being. I volunteer as um an event manager for uh the maternity services at one of the hospital trusts uh the nhs a few hats still which i really enjoy so how did you get here my journey specifically my career has really been sort of rounded and grounded and rooted around people and community no matter where i sort of look at it um at university i did a number of internships not at university, sorry, straight after uni, I did a number of internships at the UN, Skype and Apple. And that's where I sort of into, and I guess in love with events, organizing them. Um, And I think it naturally played into my control freak tendencies. Um, And after those internships where I really learned, like I was really doing like the scut work of stuff. I landed my first full-time job at a b2b trend forecasting marketing insights company called contagious which is where i learned everything from event production to marketing to strategic commercialization and global expansion and i got quite up quite high on the quite high up on the rungs there after a short period of time but then i found that events for me anyway at that time were just the same you can do different type of events but ultimately it's the same thing over and over and i wasn't learning enough um and i was getting a little too comfortable so i decided to go freelance after that and pursue other things which included some travel and also and the the freedom that freelancing gave me allowed me to train and become a spinning instructor which is obviously how we know each other um and it was there that I really learned about the importance of health and well-being and community and how this things all interlinked with one another and I guess it was through that lens that made me see a opportunity to 
set up my own events and community-based business that was supporting new and soon-to-be mothers throughout pregnancy and the postpartum period called Passion Mama, which I launched just before COVID. Um, and as I said, I stepped away from that uh, in March earlier of this year, and now I'm back to freelancing event production, which is what I was doing before, but now as a community builder, as well as um, my volunteer work for the NHS maternity services. So that's where we're at at the moment, or how we got there. Um, I have thought about going back to spinning. I really, when I stepped away from Pasha Mama, I really noticed that I missed having an impact. I actually missed having that creation of space for people. And I spoke to my alma mater and um, I was going to, there was a there was a time where I thought I might go back, but um, timing wise hasn't worked out. It's def it's not a no. It's definitely something I consider a lot. Um, but I think yeah, definitely having that impact or not having that in my life is really, um, I've really noticed that gap, and I think that's why I feel as though I might go back to maybe if it's spinning or setting something up or going back to my business. I don't know, but I think there's still definitely there's a there's a space somewhere inside me that wants to be filled by doing that good work and I and I'm not getting it enough from my volunteering at the NHS so yeah I have to find other ways to to fill that gap if you do so I'll come, if you do I will come back because I haven't I haven't been spinning for a, a long time now I think a big part of it is obviously I think it doesn't feel the same um and I know people won't be able to see this but I do have your hat on my desk oh my god you do uh, it wasn't meant, this podcast wasn't meant to start like this, but I'm glad it took this turn because um, if anything, we might be able to get you back into the, into the community. Into the room. Yeah. But with all of that in mind then, and the, it's the central question of this entire podcast. What does creativity mean to you? It's a really good question. And it's something that I had to think about for a while. Well, actually, did I have to think about it for a while? I'm not sure. I have been mulling it over for a while. I think... Creativity to me is art of creating something. And I know that creating and creativity essentially stemmed from the same word, but I almost use them synonymously sometimes, which I don't know is right or wrong or is neither. But for me, it's really around the art or the magic or the conceptualization or something around creating something and it doesn't have to be art or food or something as obvious as that it can be for me you know my in my day job it's I'm creative when I'm crafting an agenda for my clients or I'm creative when I'm creating a space for people to feel safe enough to open it open up about very sensitive personal issues that they're facing um it's the process and the art of finding i hate the word innovative because i think it does get bandied around quite a lot and not always in it's with its actual meaning but in ways of finding interesting innovative in imaginative solutions to challenges also kind of pushing boundaries and thinking outside the box. I think all of that is what creativity means 
to me. So how is it manifested in like your in the event management space? I, I we will come to it at some point because I really do I'm fascinated by this but how you managed a spin class? Mm. But before that like how does it manifest practically? Um so yeah, so practically speaking I guess when it comes to events in particular it's about designing experiences that will leave lasting impressions on the people who are in the room but also people who are delivering the content to the audience so it's taking a theme for example and creatingly crafting an agenda that has resonance and value to the people in the room that tells a story as well i think that's really important um and that can be manifested in lots of different ways at the event as well beyond the actual content i mean even creating powerpoint slides that are more impactful than not using the experience that I have with the knowledge that I have for what the audience needs to get things across basically in in more interesting ways it's very interesting because all of these tangentially actually hit across lots of things that I've studied and learned in the last couple of years about the concept of creativity you know that sense of you sort of recognizing constraints and then finding ways around those constraints and stuff like that what what i was very interested in you mentioned earlier you like being in control i like being in control um i think it's a very normal thing to want to have and i was wondering if you actually felt a sense sometimes that those that that desire for control clashed with the examples you just mentioned where you know you are relying on other people to deliver your message or you are relying on other people to essentially do what you're asking them to do and they may not do it the way you want to do it i've experienced this multiple times and i i'm pro- pretty sure that's where my hair is falling out you know so i can sort of i i'm always curious to see how other people deal with those that tension that friction almost yeah that's an interesting question i'm just trying to think if i have like a more recent example i think over the years i've certainly become like i've learned how to let the little stuff go i think mainly because i've had to i think coming from such a junior place and that's why i said when i first started out i felt like this was just like just who i am i'm just done i'm i'm up for event organizing because this is who i am i was so meticulous and yes it would drive me crazy when things wouldn't go to plan and obviously that's insane because you have no control over what happens in the external world mm-hmm. um but I think over time, as I grew as an event organizer, then manager, then producer, then director, it I've I've learned how to just not sweat the small stuff so much. And obviously, if the big stuff goes wrong, which it does from time to time, it sucks. But again, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can share or voice or insist on. But ultimately, when people are on stage the floor is theirs. So I have to relinquish a lot of that and deal with the aftermath in the way that either 
my clients or the sponsors or whoever it is I'm I'm accountable to I have to sort of explain the situation as it is but yeah, it's never been that dire touch wood you I still have a lot of your songs on my on some random playlists honestly like I listen to my music sometimes I listen to the old playlists a lot. My husband actually listens to most of them. He goes back into the archive and like listens to them when he's at the gym and he's just like, oh my God, your blueprint from 2017 Q2 was just amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I go back and I'm like, wow, the music was, the music back then was so good. It was, it was very different, I think, to now the music that I listen to. But even now, I like my summer playlist, my summer 23 playlist. I said to somebody the other day, I was like, if I was still a spin instructor, my playlist would be on fire. <laughs> I, I I wrote a C, I still remember one of the first screenplays I wrote was to say Lulu's version of Staying Alive, which I found from one of your, which was yes. an abs hold track from one of your classes. I remember that one. It's such a great yeah, I, I just, I love music though. That's the thing. I, it's always been part of me. It's been part of my life you know it, from instruments to listening with my dad all of it like I absolutely love music so I don't think I could be in a world without it and then where's the creativity in being a spin instructor walk <laughs> us walk us through a day in the life a day in the formal life <laughs> that was really hard not to sweat small stuff as a spinning instructor because you are under the microscope literally on a podium under a spotlight yeah. For so many people, and you're supposed to be this like beacon of energy and inspiration. And I think I was for a lot of people. Obviously, you've said that I was, you know, for you in certain moments, and I'm really grateful for that. <laughs> it does help that I had I merchandise made and threw them out in class sometimes. You just this was handed to me. This is like from the Pope herself. But I think that. It's a tricky, it's a tricky thing to master. I think it's not necessarily something that can be taught to a certain expect that special energy, that special fiber that makes an instructor as good as they are. And I'm not saying that I was a good instructor. I know that I was a great instructor for specific people. I wasn't for everyone and I was I was okay with that. But I think there's definitely something in being able to read a room. I think that's really important. You have to, because as you say, like I can control a playlist in so much as I build the songs and I press play, but if the sound messes up, it's out of my control. If my mic breaks, it's out of my control. If the music doesn't land with my riders, it's out of my control. But usually it did. <laughs> so I was okay. But I think there's beyond the beyond the actual nuts and bolts of creating it, become being an instructor creatively means guiding an energy and being really intuitive and having a level of self-awareness to as I said, be able to read a room and respond appropriately. It's a real balance between listening and leading, between being gentle and firm, as in asking for something, but directing as well, instructing. 
and when you get it right it it is magic that room sometimes is absolute magic and that is creativity i think at its absolute peak what did it what did it look like from up there because i have got these vivid memories of thinking that the stuff you were making me do was the hardest shit on the planet that i could not keep up with and then i saw somebody in front of me and slightly to the left who was doing what i was struggling to do at a pace that was twice as fast as you were asking them to go what did it look like from up there what do you mean as in did doing... it look did you, did you see a, a nut like me in the back struggling and someone in front who was just like acing it and going twice as fast as you were asking yeah and, you you see it all and you i have but, to... but what is that does that make you feel like i should slow it down a little bit for that guy or should i pace it up for this person like how do you manage those different essentially those different parts of your team yeah it's a really good question it's a good question i think the specific studio that we rode at or that i taught at had a had a had essentially a, a sort of rule where if 80% of the room are getting it and 20 aren't go with the 80% and that was pretty much i think the general rule that i took um there are different levels though of i mean obviously there are different levels i think for me it was interesting because i started as a rider i was in the back row struggling looking at the people on the front row like wow that's where i want to get to and that really helped ground me in those moments i think because when i was hopefully encouraging you or the person even behind you it was like i was talking to myself on that back row which was pretty powerful again i think it's a balance between making people feel as though they are achieving something even though they haven't got it perfectly in inverted commas making sure that the push was enough to keep them motivated rather than making feel making them feel like they will never get something so it was always a balance between again reading the room and delivering the right message at the right time for the right people also like it could be something so small like i could be saying something to the to the 80% that are getting it like you guys have got this you look amazing keep going whilst also putting my hand on your hand as your head is down and you're pushing on the back row a little touch like that is like i see you you're doing amazingly well and that's all it needs to that that's all it needs to be so sometimes some from the top it always to me looked pretty great and if it didn't then yes i would then I'd, then i'd pull it back but it was it's an incredible view to have seeing yeah. an essentially an army of people behind you marching to your to their own beat but one that you're one that you're instilling in them that's pretty great it's pretty I'm, powerful i mean um but no i get that it's just the stuff you're saying is so relevant to like actual leadership it's it's so directly applicable i think to any form not just creative but i think general leadership yeah um but then okay so we've dealt with the 20% that aren't getting it but what about the 10% that are getting it that feel like they were born to do this and are just running well ahead do you just let them run or do you 
Yeah, you have to find ways to challenge them in different ways, right? You have to figure out. For me, it was also like figuring out like why people were there as much as I could. So it was, you know, I was really lucky in that I had the people that rode with me were, I mean, some of them were, I, I knew them so well. We'd see each other week on week, sometimes two times a week, if not more. And so Friday, 7.30, it was event yeah. riding. <laughs> You didn't need a theme for like that a, class. It's like a cult. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. I mean, I think that was the most consistent group of people that I remember seeing at least. Yeah. And I was writing four times a week at that point. Yeah. So that was um, that was a good time. That one. So um, I think I think for me it was yeah it was about le le knowing the individuals who came and their reasons for riding or. And I didn't ask like, why are you here? It was, what do you do? What are you working towards? What, what are you hoping for? What are you doing in the next one, three, six, 12 months? And trying to figure it out on my own and see how I could help them get there, whether that is to stay where they are, whether that is to push for something specific they're working towards, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Um, sometimes people just come and they want to have a good time and that's great you know so it's all it's yeah it's a, like I said I keep coming back to this word balance it's always about balancing the rhythm of the individuals the way they rode the way the way they thought um, and that was actually really Difficult in times when it's difficult at the best of times. It was difficult in times when you yourself, as in me, was not feeling it or was for whatever reason my energy was low to kind of bring people up to lift, <laughs> to not bring them down. That's like the worst spin instructor or spin class of life. Yeah. Um those moments were quite tough. Um, there weren't that many of them, um, I don't think for me, but they can happen. And it's about, I guess, for me, I remember there was one instance when it was like the anniversary of my dad's death and I was teaching at 7.30 in the morning and I woke it up and I was just really sad. And I sort of just acknowledged it straight on at the beginning. And I think the mood was a bit mm, at the start, but... I acknowledged it in order to get over it or well, not get over it, but to, to rise higher than I was. And yeah. I need, and in that instance, I needed the, I needed the community as much as they needed me to lead that class. So again, balance, balance, balance. No, it, was very, I mean, it just sounds like you were adding texture to the room. You were adding that sense of, there's subtext here to this this entire thing, you know. It comes back yeah. to that sense of guiding a community through a journey. Yeah. Um, what made you take the leap from being on this side of the, from being in the audience to being on the podium? Honestly, I want to give you some sort of like really profound, heartfelt answer, but it's it's basically because I wanted to play my own music. I used to have this, <laughs> I used to have this dream, dream. I don't know if it was a dream. I used to have this 
desire to be a DJ, specifically in Ibiza, because I've been going to Ibiza every summer for the last 15 years. And at the time, and even still now, there are zero women DJs, like none. And I remember I turned to my husband on the on the dance pit and I was literally like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to DJ and I'm going to be so fit. I'm going to wear a tank top and I'm going to wear a cap and I'll be spinning, spinning tracks and people are going to fucking love me and dance to my music. I wanted I wanted to create energy. I think that's what it is. And I didn't do that, but instead... <laughs> You, you spun I got somewhere else. Really fit. I spun. I spun tracks somewhere else. I wore a crop top, and I wore a cap, and I created energy, and I brought people together, and that's it. Fulfilled that need that I thought was a DJ in Ibiza. It wasn't. Yeah. I got whatever I wanted from there, on the podium at a spin studio. I had no idea there were no women DJs in Ibiza. I mean, yeah, I think. To her credit, Paris Hilton has a night at Amnesia. She has a residency and I think she's actually very good. I've never been to her, but there are very, if not zero female DJs that have a residency in Ibiza. I can't even, honestly, I don't even know. I couldn't even name that many that do like the supporting, the supporting lineup, let alone. Yeah, it's really awful. I'm full disclosure. I've never been, don't really want to go. Okay, shall we do the question now? Okay. Um, what is your favorite word? Trust. All strength. No, trust. Trust. What is your least favorite word? Pussy. Mainly because of the way it's used and it's completely incorrect. Pussies are actually incredibly strong. Thank you very much. <laughs> what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Ooh. Uh, I think self-development and growth. What turns you off? A lack of self-awareness. What is your favorite curse word? Fucker. What sound or noise do you love? My son's laughter. What sound or noise do you hate? (laughs) I'm saying this because I'm looking into my garden. Foxes shagging. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Mm. I think, and I don't know if this is because we've been talking about spinning, but I think I'd want to be an athlete of some sort. I think there's something around that type of focus and determination for one specific goal, that drive Mm. that is really inspiring, can be really dangerous as well. But I'd like to perhaps tried that because then I also think if you then peak and you've passed it or you become the athlete and then you retire that drive and that focus can be applied to loads of other things what profession would you not like to do Mm. (laughs) I've always said when we're driving on toll roads sometimes you get sometimes you get you just put your money in and it gives you a ticket but sometimes you get what I am assuming, and probably incorrectly, is a very lonely person sat in a booth that just gives you change. And I've always said, I think that must be the most lonely job in the world. And I think I couldn't do anything that made me that lonely. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? 
You did well. I'm proud of you. Thank you.